God, you made me how you wanted me to be. You made everything in this world. You inspire me in everything I do. Oh, Lord, you help me when I'm bruised. But when I get tired of loving and feel at my worst, of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight oh lord my rock and my redeemer the fear of the lord is sure enduring forever the decrees of the lord are sure and they are together righteous I can't wait for the day to see your face and talk to you and tell you everything. You are the most special thing to me and you never should be neglected. Everyone falls, I cannot yell or blame anyone but me. So make me understand your love so that I can show it to others. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The fear of the Lord is pure and during the decrees of the Lord are sure, and they are together righteous. Everyone falls, everyone bleeds, but we get to the place where we need to be. God, our Father, helps us see that we need to love. Everyone falls, everyone bleeds, but we get to the place where we need to be. God, our Father, helps us see that we need to love. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are sure, and they are together righteous. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are sure, and they are together righteous.
Okay, well, welcome to worship, everyone. Uh, glad to have you here. As we are getting to the tail end of our sermon series on distortion lies that we tell ourselves. Now, I know in um, at least the worship folder, it probably flashes up there too. It says, today we will explore the lie that good Christians, good Christians, not bad Christians, but good Christians, do not feel angry, anxious, or depressed. Now, I've done a lot of focusing on anxiety and depression. I'm going to focus on anger today because that's what the text tells us about. You know, do we have, as Christians, do we have just anger? Is there righteous anger? And what does that look like if we, if we do have it? Uh, so um, a couple of announcements uh, before we begin our worship and I'm not going to make it. I'm going to ask Ben Sherbarth to come up here and share about our chili cook-off, which I am looking forward to, by the way. Thank you, Ben. I'm looking forward to that because I'm one of the judges. That means eaters. Um, so at this time, we kind of we have a special uh, presentation or special dedication that we're going to ask our Celebration Lutheran School teachers that are present to come up. It'll be painless, I promise. <clears throat> I would just like to wish them God's blessings on this year, say a prayer for them as they begin their year, as they dedicate uh, their, their time and their efforts, not only to be educators, but to do that in the name of Christ and to share Jesus with the, peop the kids they teach and everything they do, no matter wh whether it's math, science, English, or whatever. I'd need a lot of God if I was uh, back in math or science class. So we are so appreciative of what they do, dedicating that their teaching skills to sharing the love of God with these kids. That so we all sorely need it, and it's a wonderful thing. So I would like to say a prayer for them and thank them for their dedication. Can you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for Celebration Lutheran School. We give you thanks for Christian education everywhere. We give thanks for these teachers who love you and have chosen to do their chosen vocation within the bounds of your love and your ministry to the kids that they teach and touch not only with their knowledge, but with their love for Christ. Bless them in their teachings and endeavors this year as we get through another year of great Christian education. We've grown a little bit and we just wish them their very best and we're so appreciative of everything they do and the love that they share. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Why don't we give them? <laughs> All right. Thank you.
let's all stand up as we worship um, the Lord um, with the song, Same God.
I'm a poor sinner. I am guilty for all of my sins. I have lived as if God did not matter if I mattered most. My Lord's name I have not honored as I should. My worship and my prayers have faltered. I have not let his love have its way with me. And so my love for others has failed. There are those whom I have hurt and those whom I have failed to help. My thoughts and desires have been soiled with sin. Forgive, forgive me. I am sorry for all of this and ask for grace. Amen. You know, I think one of the most amazing accounts in the Gospels is when the rich man comes to Jesus and says, I've kept all the commandments. I've done everything right. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, I'm guessing he wouldn't have asked Jesus that question if he thought he had done everything right. And Jesus knows exactly what was in his heart that was above God when he told him to go and sell his possessions and follow Jesus. And he could not do that. As we know, we don't get it right. We can't do everything that God has commanded us correctly, even on a minute-by-minute basis, if you're me. The wonderful thing is that he hears our confession, and no matter what we unburden to him at the foot of the cross, he has forgiven us. So as a fellow sinner and one of your pastors, I have the pleasure to announce to all of us that we are forgiven in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated.
And at this time, we'll ask all the kiddos to come up for our children's message. Mrs. Zimmerman is going to give our children's message. Yeah. Do it over here. We're moving. Okay, we're moving. We're moving down. Moving on down. I'm going to ask you to spell with me today, okay? I think you probably have heard this song before. It's an oldie. It's got letters, and the letters make up words, right? So, sing along with me right from the start. You ready? Pose like this. I am a C. I am a C H. I am a C H R I S T I A N. And I have C-H-R-I-S-T in my H-E-A-R-T. And I will L-I-V-E-E-T-E-R-N-A-L-L-Y. I always wondered why this song was supposed to be for young children, because they have no idea what that means. This says that, or you said that you were a Christian and you have Christ in your heart. So because you have Christ in your heart, you will live eternally or forever. So that word Christian, you say you're a Christian. So what does that really mean? It means that you believe in Jesus Christ, right? You believe that Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sins and that he rose on Easter day and he is making a home for you to live in heaven eternally, forever and ever and ever. And then your life is going to always be wonderful and you're never going to have any problems and you're never going to be sad and you're never going to be angry. And right now, you know what you should be saying to me? You need to be saying, stop, Mrs. Zimmerman. That's not true. Just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean that you're not going to have some feelings. I have this up in my classroom. We've got all kinds of feelings roaming around inside of our body, don't we? Some of them are happy and silly and excited and surprised. But some of those feelings are sad and 
angry and scared and sometimes a little bit embarrassed. Those are all feelings that you have as a Christian, not a good Christian or a bad Christian. Having angry feelings doesn't necessarily make you bad, and having happy feelings doesn't necessarily make you good. They're just all the feelings that you have inside. And you just need to remember this one thing. God is bigger than any one of these feelings that you have. God can help you on the days when you are the happiest, and God can help you on the days that you are angry and sad because God is bigger than our feelings. And because we know that and we live as a Christian, if we see somebody else and you're looking and you're saying their face looks very sad or they're looking like they're a little bit angry, you can be the hands and feet of God and you can help that person understand that God is bigger than any of the feelings that they ever had. God is with you all the time, wherever you are and however you're feeling. So let's thank him for that right now in prayer, shall we? Dear God, Thank you for always being with me, whether I'm happy or sad or angry. We love you. Amen. Thank you. Okay, our first reading. Our first reading comes from Ephesians 4, which is also the basis for our message. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. Do something useful with his own hands that he might have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful, helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. And as you're able, I invite you to rise for our gospel reading, which comes from the gospel of Mark. The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig leaf and a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. 
and his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. As he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And as many members of one body, let's confess our common Christian faith here in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ, his only Son, was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Now, I know many of you in here have enjoyed the series, The Chosen. I hear about it all the time. I have yet to see every season that they've made so far. But have you, if you have never seen the miniseries, Jesus of Nazareth, made back in 1977, I think you should check it out. It is one of the best portrayals of the life of Christ put to film that I've ever seen. And as you know, even the best films about the life of Jesus take creative liberties for dramatic effect, for entertainment purposes. It's got to make, make a little money. It's got to entertain. In this film, when Jesus clears the temple, as we talked about in our gospel, Robert Powell, who plays Jesus, actually quotes the prophet of Isaiah. Instead of saying, you've made my father's house a den of robbers, he quotes Isaiah and says, city, Jerusalem, city of justice, you've become a harlot. And I liked that. Not, I did not like that they had done something wrong. I liked the creative way that they used that verse from Isaiah. Obviously, when we think of people of faith, even Jesus himself, we think they should never be angry or disgusted. Now, Jesus as God in the flesh is never wrong or unjust in his anger. But is there a righteous anger for us as Christians, sinful followers of Jesus Christ? I'd say that we do indeed lie to ourselves when we say that Christians should never be angry. But does righteous anger in a follower of Jesus Christ, well, what's it look like? And what should it not look like? Two very tough questions. 
Well, let me greet all of you with grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Now, being zealous for our God may cause us to react harshly when we see his name being defiled or his love and mercy being taken advantage of. In Exodus 32, when Moses had been up on Mount Sinai with God receiving God's law, God tells him to go down and check out what the Israelites are doing. Now, he finds all of the Israelites dancing around this golden calf and worshiping this idol after the God that was on Mount Sinai had just brought them out of a house of slavery in Egypt in a spectacular fashion, they are bowing down before this golden calf. So Moses, before he goes down to chew them out or to get angry with them for what they've done, he pleads with God not to destroy them because it says that God has it in his mind to destroy them for what they're doing. So he had advocated on their behalf, prayed to God, begged him to spare the Israelites. Then he goes down and in his anger for what they've done, he smashes the two tablets that God gave him into pieces and then took their idol, burned it in the fire and ground it into powder. This is a good example of someone who is not God expressing justified, righteous anger. It was Moses's love for him, for them that made him so angry. Isn't that how it works most of the time? Those we hold dearest to our hearts are the ones that we get the angriest at. So God's people can and do feel angry. It's the reason we get angry and how we express it that matters the most. Now, let me be clear. Not all anger that Christians feel has to do with zeal for the Lord, like we saw with Moses. What about anger against just things that happen in our lives, in our everyday comings and goings? Some of us have tempers worse than others. I wish mine wasn't as, uh, I wish it wasn't as short as it was. Now, can we have righteous anger in situations like that? I want you to think about someone who has found out that their spouse or their boyfriend or girlfriend has been unfaithful, or perhaps a confidence has been betrayed, or even a pastor or trusted member of the church that you may love and cherish and you shared and trusted something that you held dear and confidentiality has been told to other people. I believe wholeheartedly that this is completely just if Christians are angry over that kind of thing. Now, even though we know that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Anger in these instances is not in of itself a sin, but many of our reactions following become sin. When we become vengeful, when hatred penetrates our hearts to the point of rage, 
then we have crossed the line from righteous anger to sin. And that's not easy for us to control. The world gets pretty nasty. But Paul tells us exactly how we should handle anger. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. He goes on to say, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every kind of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. As Christians, our anger, even if it's just, should never get to the point where we're hateful and vindictive, full of rage. Now, God's anger is always just because it's always tendered with mercy and forgiveness, especially when we seek it, no matter what we have done. But broken, sinful followers of Jesus have limits in their ability to let go of anger, to look past something awful that's been done to us. 1993, in a town called West Memphis, Arkansas, three teenage boys were arrested for taking the lives of three eight-year-old boys in a horrific type manner. I don't wanna go into the biggest details of it. Um, obviously, this very small, God-fearing community in Arkansas was devastated. The parents of these little boys that had been killed were justly enraged. And although the guilty parties were not exactly who they caught. You'd have to see the documentary to understand all the ins and outs of who did it and the things that happened. But their reaction was one of rage. Their eight-year-old sons, their lives had been taken horribly. And I saw interviews with these parents and they wanted the perpetrators to burn in hell to be beaten. And when they were sent off to prison, excuse me, they hoped they'd be brutalized and beaten and treated like animals in there every day of their, that they were in their, serving their sentence. And I assume all of you parents out there, and even me, I can imagine, I probably would have felt and said the same thing. Now, this is obviously an extreme example, but to thank Christians, if they are good, should never be angry. That's just not true. It's what anger does to us inside and outwardly that makes us sinful. When we head down that dark road of vengeance, hatred, and bloodlust, we've crossed over again. But that's what sinners do. Now, I have trouble with anger many times in... A, a, quite a lot less extreme circumstances. People at the grocery store talking on their phones and pushing their carts right into you as they look at you. People at the gym 
who look down at their phones and power walk right at you. Now, that's pretty petty on my part. But I get angry. I get disgusted. I get less than pastoral, not outwardly, not verbally, but inside. I'm glad you can't read my mind. So Paul's words have to take root in my heart when I get to those places. Things don't have to be so extreme for us to understand how God wants us to handle our anger. When we get mad at injustice, at even the most awful of circumstances, in those moments, when our rage takes us to the very place that Satan wants us to be, many times all we can do is pray for strength, the strength to be merciful, the strength to be forgiving even when the circumstances seems like that's impossible for that to happen for us. Anger can destroy us, can eat us alive. Think about Cain. His jealousy of his brother consumed him so much that it caused him to murder his own brother. Now his anger was not just because it came from envy, and jealousy, but even the righteous anger that we have. As a Christian, for things that have been done to us that are evil can lead us down the same path that Cain went if it consumes us. I'm gonna close with this account. I do a Bible study at an assisted living facility and I was doing the parable of the, the unmerciful servant. You know, anyone who does not forgive, my father will not forgive. And a woman came up to me, very nice lady. She had a very sad look on her face. And she said as a child, which had to be a very, very long time ago, uh, she had been abused by her father. And she said, I prayed and I prayed for the strength and the peace to be able to forgive him and to let go of the anger, but I can't. Am I going to hell? My words to her were that human beings put in circumstances like that are only capable of so much forgiveness. There's only so much that we can look past. That's why God is all merciful and abounding in love. And we've got a lot, but not like that. We have limitations, he does not. My words to her was that her desire to forgive her desire for God to give her the peace in her heart that she needed to let go of that was enough. Because as human beings, we can't go past our limitations. We can ask God for forgiveness and for the strength to have that mercy in our hearts. And that's about all we can do. Because our capacity for mercy is not limitless. Jesus is.
That's all we can do when we can't let hatred go. But it was her desire to let it go. I don't know if you've ever met people that love to hold on to grudges. They actually enjoy it. Maybe enjoy is not the right word, but they like to be angry and they don't want to let it go. They like harping on it. She did not. And in my heart, I believe that God has forgiven her because she's asking him for what she cannot give herself, the ability to let go. Now, I know if I was in a situation where I was being led off to my death, a painful death that I did not deserve, I'd be cursing and wishing pain and anguish on anybody who was involved in taking me there. But when Jesus was crucified unjustly with all the pain and humiliation that that entailed, what were his words? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. So may God give us the spirit of gentleness and forgiveness, even in our righteous anger. In the name of Jesus, amen. And at this time, as we collect our offering, we just wanna remind you how grateful we are for your givings and your support of our ministry here at Faith.
Lord God, you love without condition and you forgive without hesitation. Give us just a portion of that spirit that when we are enraged, that when we are angry, even when we have been wronged, even when evil has come into our lives, help us to be merciful as you have first treated us with mercy. Help us to be able to forgive. Give us the strength to do the hard thing to love our enemies. You've been merciful to us, Lord, and we walk in your grace each and every day, and we are thankful for that. We are thankful for your healing hand. We ask you to be with those who are ill, facing surgery, recovering from illness, or recovering from surgery. Especially in our prayers, we remember Jerry Morall, Lori Wilkie, Christy Schleitweiler, Greg Steinbrenner, Ken Close, and Laurie Bain. We ask you to heal them according to your good and gracious will and keep them strong in body, mind, and spirit. We ask you to be with those who have lost loved ones. Especially, we ask you to be with Lori Jenkins and her family as her father was called to his heavenly home last week and with the family of Bill Chastain who was also called to his heavenly home. We ask you to 
give them comfort in the empty tomb and the promise of eternal life, that one day they will walk with you in paradise, but dry their tears and ease their suffering here on earth as only you can do. And we ask you to be with those who have made promises to each other centered in you for 40 years of marriage for Kurt and Christy Schramford, for Ron and Betty Hutchinson, 51 years. We ask you to give them many more years together with love for each other and love for you at the center of their lives. And we also pray for a safe return for those who took the trip to El Aragonel to do our mission work to, to witness and bring Jesus to, the, to Guatemala, to our mission there. We thank them for their love, their dedication and their sacrifice and just, just pray that they get home safely and thank them for their service. And we, thank, we say all of these things in the prayer that you have taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now may the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you all with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where streams of abundance flow. Blessed be Blessed be your name.
Amen. Amen.